Good morning and welcome to The Daily Buzz. I'm Bethany Rogers, one of the Tribune's politics reporters. Monday kicked off the second week of the Utah legislature's general session and right away, lawmakers took action to suspend the test of state program in schools and lay out a multi-step process for shifting to remote instruction during an outbreak. The legislation they finalized Monday would require schools to hold a public meeting about going remote. That would be followed by a school board vote. And lastly, the state's top politicians would need to sign off on remote learning. Utah's governor, the House Speaker, the Senate President, and the state superintendent would all have to approve the request to go virtual. To explain a little more on how Utah's lawmakers have amassed so much power in recent years, here's the Tribune's Robert Gerke and Luke Peterson. We're talking about the last week at the legislature. We saw the Republican majorities in both the Senate and the House pass a bill to rescind mask mandates statewide, particularly in Salt Lake County and Summit County that had them in place. When we were talking about this, it seems like it's something that we're seeing more and more out of the legislature as they sort of expand their power into places where they hadn't necessarily exercised it before. I think that's this recent episode uh, with regard to overturning Salt Lake uh, mask mandates is really just the most recent action in a long series of actions that go back years talking about decades, really. And I think your reporting on it was really great. And it, it echoed what I've heard from a lot of political scientists, which is just that when we look at Utah's political structure, we see what political scientists call path dependence, where basically every time, every step we're taking in a particular direction, it gets harder and harder to steer the ship in a different direction. And all of that is in the direction of power being concentrated more and more in the legislature as they assert their authority over local government, as they assert their authority over the executive. And then the supermajority of Republicans in the legislature has made it easier for that process to continue. And then, of course, the only way to really change that would be to amend the state constitution. But the only people with the authority to do that are the legislature. Yeah, I mean, you deserve a lot of credit for this because it was an idea that we discussed going into it. And we oftentimes in this business kind of get too down in the weeds and too focused on what's happening that day. We learn about checks and balances in our high school civics class. And we've seen over the past 30 years how all of the checks on the legislature's power have slowly been eroded. It kind of starts with a, a weakening of the governor's office or governors who are less willing to exercise their veto authority. The Democratic caucus has become sort of meaningless as a check because there are so few of them. And then we have the legislature that uh, over time slowly been giving itself some additional powers and maybe most notably when they amended the constitution so they can call themselves into special session. And also when the public tries to speak up and pass initiatives, we saw the three initiatives pass, all of them were rewritten. In the case of the anti-gerrymandering initiative, they pretty much neglected that or ignored it entirely. And so there's really nothing right now in place that's going to keep the legislature's power from continuing to grow, as you mentioned, the path dependence outside of maybe a governor who's willing to assert that gubernatorial authority and use the veto. But we haven't really seen that out of Spencer Cox, and, and we haven't seen it yet this session necessarily. So um, they really have sort of become this vortex of power, as we referred to it in the story. Yeah, it's a thing that has its own uh, unique gravity, right, and pulls in. And it, I think in a lot of ways, it's interesting to see that it becomes, I think, just too easy, maybe almost, um, for the legislature to, to exercise their authority. They can do it, and they've done it in the past. And that makes it easier to do it again. Obviously, they wasted no time in this legislative session. I, I think it's interesting to go and look at not so much 
Dan McKay, who was the Senate sponsor, but Candace Pierucci in the House to kind of look at the, the gymnastics that she's gone through in terms of how do we justify this? And then you have somebody who's been in the legislature longer with McKay, who, as far as I can tell, doesn't really even try to justify it, just goes, this is what we're doing. Yeah, with, with the mask mandate, it's interesting because they took this power from the governor last year and set up this process that counties are supposed to follow. And the counties followed that process. And then they came back and said, no, we're going to change the process again. It's a pretty brazen uh, move. It kind of comes as a, at a time when both in the House and in the Senate side, leadership is exercising more power. They're, they're, they have their caucuses in line. When you have your caucus in line like that, the legislative leadership can speak with this sort of unified commanding voice. And so when they go to the governor and the governor says, well, I'm going to veto it, well, then they have the 50 votes in the House and, and, and 20 votes in the Senate that they might need to override it. So it makes it a little bit more daunting. And, and again, it, it shifts that power balance even more. So um, I think it's a this is a preview you know the past is prologue i guess and so we're going to continue to see this i think in the in the coming weeks of this session and next jazz beat writer and data columnist andy larson tells us why a former utah jazz superstar won't be going to any home games at his alma mater this season former jazz point guard and hall of famer john stockton is back in the news after this time having his gonzaga season tickets revoked to basketball games in, in spokane washington because he refused to wear a mask now, longtime jazz fans and Utahns will remember that John Stockton was a little bit prickly with the media and wasn't a fan of the spotlight in Utah. However, in the last year, he's become uh, a voice for people who uh, do not believe in the vaccines and uh, in general, any uh, government mask mandates or, or anything of that nature. Stockton's public anti-mask Stance has, has made him a target for Gonzaga at school administrators who point out that their highest profile alum uh, should not be in Gonzaga basketball games watching without a mask while uh, the rest of the students and uh, attendees have to. Uh, we'll see how this develops, but there was a funny note that uh, someone did put a mask onto John Stockton's statue outside of Vivint Arena this weekend. Thanks, Andy. And along those lines, Utah health officials reported Monday that there were nearly 22,000 new COVID-19 cases and 33 deaths over the weekend. That's all for today, and we'll be back again tomorrow morning. A big shout out to local band The Pelicans for our music. Thanks for keeping up on the buzz, and have a great day. Awesome. All right. <laughs>